Good evening and welcome to a Sunday evening, August the 6th episode of the Christian Underground News Network. I am your host, Kurt Chamberlain, and we are, as usual, on on uh, Sunday nights. Uh, very, very fortunate to have with us uh, an up-and-coming, prolific Christian author, Lucas Doremus. And also, uh, may I just say, Lucas, uh, one of the better Bible teachers I've ever I've ever had pleasure to listen to, and uh, also interact with. So we're honored to have you aboard, and uh, we've got I know we've got some really good stuff for listeners tonight. I'm excited because we're getting we're going to be doing one of my favorite books ever, uh, and uh, I know how you're going to teach this thing. I've read your book, and. Uh, Boy, I'm excited. So if you're out there listening tonight, dear Christian, or or even if you're not a Christian, you are about to become uh, educated on a level that uh, most people would be covetous of. Uh, most seminary students will not hear uh, the quality of education that you're about to get. And again, Lucas, we're, we're really happy to have you on and doing this particular subject. And so without further ado, tell us what we're going to be studying for the next old couple of months, probably. Well, I tell you, you make me nervous there, Curtis. So I got to, <laughs> now the, uh, the pressure's on. I got to really deliver now. Good, good. Good. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. No, nothing like stress to make you perform better. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I know you. So... <laughs> You'll do great. So uh, as you uh, may have read in the title of this podcast, we're going to start studying the book of Job. Ooh, uh, yeah. book, the, you know, or as my kids, you know, the book of Job the book of would Job, say, yes. you know. Because they, you know, my kids are, you know, they're they're getting good at reading. They're still litter, and they're like, "Dad, why is that Job?" I'm like, "I don't know." Yeah, they're very <laughs> you know, phonetic. Yeah, it should be J O B E. They say, like, <laughs> "Yeah, I know," yeah. but you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, so Job is one of my favorite books in the Bible. Uh, it's one of the books of poetry, or yes. in that section of Scripture, yeah. and. Uh, it's also, we're going to talk more about this in a, sec, a second. It's also one of the earliest books written, uh, the earliest, um, by, yeah. by most what people think. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's just a neat thing that, uh, such a emotional book yeah. was written well, yeah. first. Um, and I'll, and I'll say this, uh, Job happened. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not one big allegory. It's not just one big kind of dramatized poem. It is an uh, historical record. It it is, and we know that because Jesus referenced Job. That's right. Um, it, well, I mean, not only just because it's in the Bible, and you know that's where it is, but you know J Jesus referenced Job. Job happened exactly the way it says. That's right. Um, and it was said exactly like it was said. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too. Um, but uh, let's go ahead before I, you know, my I'm going to. Steal all my thunder from my introduction. So, well, since well, we're starting mean, a book, I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. But no, 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 no. I'm about to say what I'm going to say, so I better just say it. So we'll just <laughs> uh, what what how I always like to start a book is you know just kind of the who, what, when, where, why yeah. kind of questions of a book just to intro it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so Job, uh, one of the interesting things, we kind of brought this up already, was when was Job written? Now, we said it's a very, we said it's a very early book, uh, most likely the earliest book. And there's a, there's a couple reasons for that. Um, one is it doesn't mention anything about Israel. Not um, a peep. Nope. The, the only things we've got, you know, Elihu is, or Elihu, as most people would say it, that is a very Jewish sounding name. Yeah. Uh, it, it means, let's see where I got that. He is my God. Uh, you've also got uh, the God's name, Yahweh, you know, uh, in most Bibles, transliterated Lord in capital letters. And so, uh, but other than that, there, there's really no mention of Israel or Judah or, you know, no. anything like that. And so that would indicate it is written before uh, at least Jacob. Uh, we'll put yeah. it that way because Jacob yeah. is when we got the name Israel. Even you know the nation was started with Abraham, but right. we didn't really get named until then. So, uh, one th- a couple things that give us some clues here uh, in Job twenty two sixteen, Eliphaz, uh, this is one of Job's uh, counselors. Um, he says, uh, "Whose foundation?" He talks about men whose foundations were swept away by a flood. That's right. Now. Uh, it, you know, floods happen throughout the earth, but it, you know, it seems there's only really one flood mentioned in the Bible, and it's the great flood of Noah. Okay. Uh, and in in the, in the verse right before that, twenty two fifteen, he mentions wicked men, and he mentions the old way. You know that they were mm-hmm. swept by this flood. Uh, mm-hmm. That sure sounds a lot like uh, the the flood. You know, the Noahic flood. Yeah, uh, Bildad, Bildad also references a former age. Uh, in chapter eight, verse eight, um, would make sense that you know an age kind of quote reset. Uh, the former age would be the flood. Yeah, and, um, and you know a lot of people. One uh, an interesting fact about Bildad uh, that a lot of people don't really realize is that he was the shortest man on record at the time. It's right there in his name, Bildad the Shuhite. Oh, oh, oh dear. Uh, Ouch. Sorry, I had to throw that in. Uh, yeah, I never know I, what I'm going to get when I get on here. They're just, you know, okay, I did not see okay. that one. I hadn't heard that one. That's good. I, you know, so, yeah. Uh, he's also got a couple references to rain which would yes. point to after the flood. You've got uh, Job uh, talking about the earth being turned up as by fire. That's right. Kind of sounds like a volcano, you know, maybe an earthquake yeah, with some much. lava sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know the fountains of the deep came up, yeah. which means very likely that some of Noah, you know, they would have heard that or, you know, things going on. Um, so it sure sounds like uh, it happened after the flood. Mm Because that just makes a lot of sense. Okay, so, but when after the flood? Uh, Job references a fleeing serpent in 2613. And I know just because there's a serpent mentioned, that doesn't mean it was a serpent in the garden. But, you know, if this is happening somewhat close to the flood, a fleeing serpent would have been something passed down by Noah uh, and, and his sons. I mean, Adam only died, if I forget, maybe 100, 200 years before the flood happened. It was something, I'm going off of memory, so if that isn't completely correct, you know, we can do the math. But, you know, I mean, these sorts of things would have been relatively fresh in people's memory. Yeah. Or the oh, yeah. story's been passed down. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so uh, you've even got, uh, and this is kind of interesting, Shem. Shem was alive when Noah was born. Excuse me. Shem was alive when Abraham was born. Now, I don't know if Abraham ever met Shem, but I'm just saying Shem was alive. Um, you've got, but then you've got, okay, so you've got some of those things. But then Elihu talks about kings and nobles. Well, kings and nobles didn't really start until you have the nations broken up, which happened at the Tower of Babel. That's right. Um, you've, got, yeah. mm -hmm. you've got Job living in the land of Uz, uh, Uz being uh, a descendant of Shem. Uh, there's like actually a couple Uzes <laughs> out there. Um, but uh, the land of Uz and kings of no nobles, that seems to indicate people had spread out and that now people were claiming land. You have the idea of borders, which would all point to after the Tower of Babel. So uh, now, interestingly, how late after the Tower of Babel? Um, I'm going to say it was after the Tower of Babel. Well, Job, we know he was he lived 140 years after the events of the Book of Job happened. Now he's got ten kids, uh, seven sons, three daughters, and they are old enough to be having houses of their own. Uh, because that's they were all at the oldest brother's house when they were all killed in Job that's, 1. That's right. Yeah. So Job was, uh, let's say, between 40 and 70, probably on the latter end of 70. So if you take anywhere, that could be between 180 and 210. Right. Now, if that's true, however, here's another. This is kind of an assumption, but I think it's actually, well, it's decently founded. At the end of the book of Job, um, God gave Job twice as much as he had before. Yes, he did. Now, if that also includes his age, not just his uh, yeah. belongings, that would be half of 140 would be 70. That's right. Which would actually be a reasonable age to have 10 kids that were all grown-ups. That Absolutely. would make him r roughly 210 years old. Yeah, I agree. Which means uh, Peleg, which is the fifth from Shem, that's when people started to live about 200, and mm -hmm. then it started to decline after that. Abraham lived 175 years. So if that's the case, then Job probably lived around the time of Peleg up until about Abraham. So oh, that's yeah. where we're talking. Now, that means this: the events of Job happened sometime between, oh, you know, 2500 and 2200 B.C. or so. Okay, yeah. Now, to give some frame of reference, you know, that's, what, 400, 600, 700 years before the events of or Moses wrote down these the yeah, first five books of the Bible? Somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah. Roughly. Okay. So that's what I'm going to say. I mean, I, I, I know we can't we can't know for sure, but I'm going to say it was somewhere between Peleg and uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I, I think Job you're right. And, and I think we can use I mean, for 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 those serious students of, of uh, Bible and language uh, and history, we can do a, a name study too. Peleg or Peleg, P-E-L-E-G, I think is how it was spelled. Mm -hmm. um, had a had a specific meaning as most names did in that time, and uh, that his name actually meant 
the earth was divided in his time. Uh, and so, yes, we can. I think we can date the book of Job partially just because of Peleg's presence and his age. Yep. And what, and what happened during his lifetime. So, sure. Yeah. Yep. I think, and again, I'm I'm not going to be dogmatic about that, but I think uh-huh. it's I think that's the best guess. Um, now I'm going to further refine it a little bit, okay? Because of uh, who wrote Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, this the, the theories range from Job himself to yeah. Solomon, to even just a jo- uh, Jew in exile. Uh-huh. Um, here's my theory. Uh, Romans three two says chiefly because to them that's the jews were committed the oracles of god Mm -hmm. now what's interesting to me is as far as we can tell every book of the bible was written by a jew yeah luke's luke's mother was jewish Mm -hmm. uh you know hebrews we don't know the author of but uh Sounds just like reading it, it sounds like Paul. I was just going to say, you know, we can argue about the Paul thing. It's very Jewish. Can I just put it that way? I mean, very, very, yeah, has to be written by a Jew, even if it wasn't Paul. So if that's the case, and now the whole Old Testament, I mean, from Moses onward, there's really no reason to disagree with it was all written by a Jewish person. Right. So if that's true, does that mean Job was written by a Jew? Um, See, I... You would you would think so. You'd almost have to think so, wouldn't you? See, I think that's very likely. Now, that means Job is never mentioned as being Jewish. That's right. So, I think it's possible that either Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob documented Job. Um here, here's why I think, and, and I go into it a bit more in the book. Um, I'm not, because it's just, it's a lot of different references to names and genealogies, which are kind of hard in a podcast. So I, I'm yeah. just going to say it like this. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob each went through a lot of trouble. You know, Abraham was very old, had to wait a very long time for Isaac to be born. Isaac had to wait a long time uh, until, and you know, he went and almost got sacrificed to God, basically. And then he waited a long time. And then he had Jacob and Esau, and Esau was not great. Joseph or Jacob was kind of a deceiver. And then he left for 21 or so years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jacob comes back uh, to Israel after having his wives and his kids. And then Joseph goes uh, missing. You know, he thinks is dead. Uh, it really, you know, they eventually meet up in Egypt. So each of them would have this, you know, kind of troubled time to go look for somebody to offer them encouragement. What could be more encouraging than a guy that suffered more than any other uh, man ever in history? Now, ooze would have been, it's somewhere in the Middle East, so they would have been familiar with the territory. Right. Um, we know that the story of Job got around. That's how his friends knew that he was having trouble, and then they came to him. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, is it possible that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through their struggles, heard about Job and what he went through and went to see him in some of those times that aren't, you know, those big blocks of time that aren't recorded in the Bible? Right. Is it possible that he went and saw them and God said, hey, write down Job's story? I think that's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it's a wild speculation either. I think 
Mm-hmm. You take all the facts and then the, the, the history and you put it all together. I think it's a reasonable assumption. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, let's, I've heard uh, this theory about Genesis that every time it says, you know, these are the generations yes. that was kind of, that was kind of a separate uh, little document. Yes. That basically those came into possession of the Jews and they carried these documents around until Joseph and until Joseph, till Moses put it all together. Right. Right. So if we believe that, and, and if you don't believe that, that's okay. Uh, Moses got communicated and wrote it down one way or the other, but right. I don't think it's really unreasonable for the Jews to have carrying around some documents, maybe including the book of Job with them. Yeah, entirely feasible. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just on the human side. Let alone if it's God's word, then it's no problem for it to be preserved like right. that. That's exactly right. Yeah. So anyway, that's. I think that's when I think it was very. I think it's very likely that Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob wrote it, which would put Job in the time of the patriarchs. Um, and that's that's when it happened. I've always wondered so, if it was Abraham, but because for many of the, the reasons that you just mentioned, but uh, it, even when I was a younger man in my teens and my early twenties, uh, I mean, I knew Job was written before Genesis, but just, just the read itself almost sounded a lot like um, the way Abraham spoke in, yeah. in Genesis. Uh, mm-hmm. it just it, so I always wondered if it could have been Abraham that that wrote it. Yeah, there, and there's some, and I can understand like the people who think it was written by Solomon. Yeah, I can understand that because there's some parts that yeah. sound almost exactly like Ecclesiastes. Yes, agree. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're right. Um, now I know, like you know, I know you, Dick, and I. We believe that God dictated His Word. I, I yes. still think that, and so really, God could have communicated it at any time, um, to to any Jew that He wanted to. That's right. Um, but no, I, I, th- I think it was Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. I think they went and saw Job, and Job told them what happened, mm-hmm. and God ensured that it got written down correctly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's the case. Okay. Now, uh, why was Job written? This is, what, this is why I like studying this book so much, because it's the earliest book of the Bible, and it answers one of the key things about the human experience that we still struggle with today. Mm-hmm. The book of Job is here to answer the problem of suffering, the problem of evil, the question, why does a good God allow bad things? Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever form that argument takes, that is why this book is here. Right. And so if you are struggling with why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow this? Uh, why am I dealing like this? Job is the book for you. Yeah. Um, it, it handles that with, what, 42 chapters? Right off the bat. And I think that's so interesting that the first thing that God wanted to have written down, not that he hadn't communicated to humans earlier, but the first thing he had written down was the problem of why you're in this sinful state and how to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the first thing he wrote down, if Job is the earliest book, I think it is, the first thing that God wrote down was not creation. No, no, no. It, it was, was Job. Yeah. And I just I just find that interesting. 
um, it, it just shows, well, you know, God is here to help us kind of thing. And, and it, it also marries up with, with scripture. Um, where does it say known unto God are all of his works from the beginning? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he knew he was going to get to the creation story, you know, yeah. but, but he felt it, it's like meeting your doctor for the first time, you know, uh, the doctor introduces himself and gives you a history of it. Yeah, I went to school and this and that and the other, and I'm qualified and this and that and the other. Uh, you know, it's it, Job is like um, a doctor's diagnosis for health in a lot of ways. How do you deal with the problem of evil? You know, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that kind of stuff? How do you deal with heartbreak? How do you deal with with problems in your life? And that, that's why I, a lot of why I love the book. It's, mm-hmm. it's like you said, it's a, a huge explanation for a yeah. lot of, for a lot of contemporary issues. Yep. And I've, you know, and I remember taking philo- a philosophy course in college. Um, yeah. I've, I've read some of the yeah. philosophers outside of college. Um, <laughs> I even used to teach a little, what they called mini mester. Uh, in the school, I used to teach on on philosophy and studying all those guys, um, and they're all kind of all the philosophers are struggling with this, you know, right, wrong, good, evil. Uh, you know, they're all struggling with that one way or another. I'm not sure there's any uh, argument that Job doesn't answer. Uh, I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Whether you take whether it's Immanuel Kant or David Hume or. Uh, uh, What's his Nietzsche. name? Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Yeah. Aristotle, if you want to go back that late to uh, uh, what's uh, Richard Leakey? Is that no? Is that uh, no? I'm getting I'm getting some of my modern Richard Dawkins. That's it. Dawkins, to Richard yeah. Dawkins. Yeah. Sorry, okay. Richard Leakey. He's the evolution guy. Uh, it, it it you can answer all of them through the Book of Job, one way or the other, mm-hmm. and even Job. Job is a lot easier to understand, too. <laughs> I think it is, too. Now, that said, I will tell you, I had to read through Job multiple times before I started to understand it. Yeah. So the way we're going to study this is a little bit different. Uh, we're going to do the first two chapters of Job, and that's going to set up the story. Okay. And then we're actually going to jump to what Elihu or Elihu says. Because the what I struggled with so much with Job and uh, Eliphaz and Bildad and uh, so Zophar that I was getting it mixed up with another name, they all say correct things about who yeah. God is and what they do. They all say correct things, but their co- conclusions are always incorrect. Yes, and once we under and Elihu deals with all that and sets them all straight. Yeah, and then and then God shows up. <laughs> yeah. And I love, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll tip my hat. God shows up. He doesn't reason with Job. No, he says, hey, buddy, hitch up your belt. Uh, stand on your own two feet. I got some questions for you. You think you're so smart. Uh, yep. and, and you think you've got it all figured out. Well, let, let's, let's see if, you, if that's right. I'm going to, yep. I got some questions for you. Let's see if you got answers. Yeah, God doesn't show up and try to like reason and explain. He doesn't he doesn't do that. He shows up and says, I'm God, you're not. That's right. <laughs> I do what I want, 
you have to deal with it. You know, That's I, right. you know, where, who are you compared to me? You know, I, multiple ways to say that, but what I always, but why our God, the Jewish, the Christian God I am is so great is that since he communicated his word, God shows up and he doesn't reason with us, but he did through Elihu. Mm-hmm. Because that's still his word. Right. And isn't it isn't it great that God doesn't have to reason with us, yet he still gives us all the reasoning we need? That's right. And isn't isn't that amazing? I just love that. Um, so that's that's one reason I love the book of Job. So anyway, we're gonna do the first two chapters, and then we're gonna jump to chapter, I think it's 32, where Ellie Hugh starts talking. Yeah, Ellie Hugh in chapter 32. Mm-hmm. We'll do that, we'll go through what God says, and then we'll go back and start with Job and his three friends. Um, all right. now I will tell you that I am not Jewish. And so the book I wrote on this, oh, I should I should say that, Curtis. So I wrote a book on this. It's called Stand Still and Consider. Great And book. you can find it on Amazon and some things like Love that. Um, it is uh, not the verse-by-verse, word-by-word commentary mm-hmm. that uh, someone that is Jewish would be far more qualified than I am to give. However, what I do in it, and this is how we're going to structure this study, is we're going to go through what the arguments are. We're going to go through what they're saying and how we can apply that or not apply it, you know, whatever. That's how we're going to go through this book. So we're going to get a good understanding of this book. But I know there are Hebrew phrases and Hebrew words that I'm going to miss because I'm not Jewish. And, you know, okay. I'm a gen- I'm a Gentile. I'm okay with that, Curtis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm okay with it, too. <laughs> you know, so. Okay, let's begin. Job 1.1. There was a man in the land of Uz, Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Now, that's going to be really important. Job is righteous. Job is a believer. There is absolutely no question about that. We're going to get to the latter half of this chapter where God is going to uphold him as something, as someone very righteous. So, We have to keep, that's going to be very, very important once we get to Job's arguments. Job is saved. Job is a believer in the God who will save him. Now, Jesus hadn't died yet, but he's put his faith in Christ, or in faith in God, just like Abraham did. So, as Job goes through his troubles, we've got to remember, he's saved. He's a believer. So anyway, uh, verse 2, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, meaning that there were a lot of servants and things, so that this man was the greatest of all the people in the East. This man was very, very wealthy. Um, now, notice <laughs> he's a believer and he's very, very wealthy, as in there's no problem with having wealth and being a believer. So it's how you use money, not whether you have it or not. Uh, so just make that point. Anyway, also, this is kind of an interesting, Curtis, and I know you'll have something interesting to say about this. You notice it says his possessions were all physical things. Uh, yeah, they weren't. They weren't uh, digital. No, they weren't based on a quote fiat currency. Mm, no, they weren't. They were animals, and you know, a household and things like that. Right. So, 
All I'm saying is wealth in the Bible, and this is one place, is always defined in physical possessions. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm making that point because we're getting into a world that's our wealth is going to be determined more and more digitally, which is really not good. No, no, no. But, uh, but you know, it's the world we live in. God has prophesied it's going to go this direction, <laughs> and we have to deal with it. Um, but again, just to, just to point that out, um, your, your possessions, your wealth should be in physical things, if at all possible. Right. Um, now, and I say that, you know, I put money back in a 401k, I can't touch in them any money back there. You know, I have a life insurance policy, things like that. So I live in that world. I'm just making the point of what the Bible talks about wealth. Mm -hmm. We'll move on. Verse four, and his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Job was a good dad. Can I point that out? No, I don't know. I don't feel that this is strongly indicating her, his sons and daughters were, you know, really bad people. Um, I'm not sure that it's indicating that. Maybe it is, and I just don't understand it. But Job is so careful with his kids and is concerned about sacrificing to God to make sure they're sanctified, that he's helping them out. Mm -hmm. Again, Job is a good dad. He, this is these five verses are here to show us how good of a guy Job is. Yeah. So Job was a really good guy. Don't then we got to keep that straight once we get into the rest of the book. Oh, verse six. Here we go. Now, boy, is there a lot to go through here. <laughs> you could you could really spend a lot of time yeah. uh, in this part. We'll probably because because we've done this a little bit. Um, and I also wrote a book that kind of goes into Satan's stuff here. We'll probably not go as in-depth as we could, but we'll definitely mention it. That's for sure. Okay. Verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. <laughs> All right. Let's do it because we brought it up before. Who are the sons of God? Well, they're clearly personages that can travel to God with Satan. Yep. There's sons of God mentioned later in the book that cheer and uh, worship when creation is happening. Mm -hmm. I would say the sons of God are angels, wouldn't you, Curtis? I would 100% agree with that. Which means when you get to Genesis 6, the next book written, and it uses the same phrase, I would say you kind of have to think those are angels in Genesis 6 too, don't you? Totally agreed. Now, I, I'm saying that just on the basis of the language used, mm -hmm. because I spend a lot of time on this in my Deceiving by Signs book. And one of the things I point out is that it's not that we have trouble with the phrase. It's that we have trouble with what the sons of God are doing in Genesis 6. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and if it just mentions sons of God, just kind of an offhanded reference, I don't think anybody would have an issue with it. Right. But but since they're doing something that's kind of hard to imagine, well, now we kind of reinterpret the word and the phrase, and it gets kind of sticky. Anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, go yeah. ahead. Yep. So anyway, these angels and Satan, they're going to God to present themselves. Now, how often do they do this? I don't know. 
I know that in Revelation it says Satan is con er, uh, accusing us day and night before God. That's right. And in this next verse, he's going to be on the earth. So how often does this happen? I don't know. That seems to be relatively often. I just, think it's an ongoing process. Yep, just anecdotally speaking. I'm not going to dogmatically say I know, just kind of as an anecdote. Seems like it happens often enough. Uh, verse 7, And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Right. Uh, Satan's, Satan's around. Now, considering there's 8 billion people on the planet, there's a small chance he is impacting me or you, Curtis. But I wouldn't say it's impossible. I don't know if he's impacting me and me or you directly, but I think he has the ability to do uh -huh. it indirectly. I mean, let's face it, we're all going to be part of a new world order here pretty soon that not many of us are in favor of. And he's yep. behind it. He is. And so this going to and fro and walking back and forth on it, he's traveling around the earth. Sure. Um, the next thing he brings up is Job. So Satan is clearly familiar with Job because he accuses God of having a hedge. So he's familiar with this guy who has a lot of wealth. Sure. Um, so, and how much do the, I, I would think that demons communication system is much better than the internet. How can I, I put it that so, way? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, he knows, and he's traveling around. So, okay. What does God say? Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Now, that indicates that Satan is going around looking for people to ac accuse. Yep. Because why would God kind of point this out if that kind of wasn't what Satan was doing? Uh, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So that could be another timing indication. Maybe this happened before God called Abraham. It could. It could, could be. Have. Yes, it could be a timing thing. Yeah. Could have. Uh, you know, it took Abraham quite a while to be a a good man. You know, as soon as he gets called, he starts lying about his wife and. <laughs> Um, you know, the yeah, whole Hagar. Him, it took him seven years to get moving after God told him to leave. Yeah, the, the whole Hagar and Ishmael incident, you yeah, know, I mean, yeah. so it took, so maybe it wasn't before Abraham got called, but, you know, but any, anyway, just another little timing thing. Uh, the point is, again, Job is a very righteous man. Very, very righteous. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Uh, verse 10, or that word nothing actually means without cost. Mm -hmm. Ah, so what's Satan indicating here? He only fears you because there's no cost to him for it. There's no right. risk involved. There's no, you know, yeah. kind of. Verse 10, have you not made a hedge around him, a protection, around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. You know, I always find it interesting that Satan here doesn't ask, can I go do this? Right. He actually asks God to do it. Yeah. It it it, sh it shows who's in charge. Uh, yeah. As much as Satan is going to fight till the bitter end to become sure. God and get his throne, 
<laughs> Satan knows he's not God. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got he's got no uh, no authority regarding God's children. No, no, he doesn't, and I think he knows that. Now he's Obviously. he's pretty dis, he's very deceptive and all those things, but oh, sure. it's interesting how he approaches it. So Satan makes challenge here. He basically says, "Look, if you take away all Job's prosperity, he won't be nearly as a, a, a righteous." Yeah, take away everything that you've given him. And mm -hmm. we'll see what his attitude is then. Yeah, and God's response is sure interesting. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. Yeah. <laughs> God accepted Satan's challenge. Yeah. Now, why did he do that? The only thing you can't oh. do, Beelzebub, is, is to mess with his own physical health. Yep. Now, why did God do that? Well, because God knows who Job is. That's right. How, how does Jesus put it? He knows what's in all men. Mm -hmm. God knows how God knows how this is going to turn out. Sure. And why would he allow Job to go through it? Because we kind of know the story, you know, without us going verse by verse. We, we know it's right. going to happen. Why does God allow that? Hmm. Well, I, I think there's several reasons why, but what what do you think first and foremost? So what stands out to you as the, the the biggest reason? Well, I think the biggest reason is that Job is going to become an even stronger believer in the end. Okay. Um, you've also got God wanting to write this down for all of our benefit. Ah. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, yep. I mean, you've got lots of things going on here. So, mm -hmm. uh, I guess we can say already our, off the bat, we've got an application here. Uh, whatever suffering you're going through, mm -hmm. God could be using that to make you stronger. Yeah. And in fact, whenever we're suffering for his sake, now when we suffer for our own stupidity, you know, I think <laughs> it's Peter that says that, you know, that's, yeah. we're not necessarily becoming better people because of that. But when we suffer for God's sake, mm -hmm. it's going to make us better. And boy, what an attitude change that has. Yes. <laughs> I tell you, Curtis, there have been a couple things recently where God has pointed out things that he's been doing to me mm -hmm. over days, weeks, months, years. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like he hits you on it. You know, and I, it's, it's happened to me twice in about the two months. You have this thought and you literally stop what you're doing and go, oh, that's what you've been doing this whole time. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why have I been struggling with it? Oh, because that's exactly what I need. Uh. <laughs> that's what I need to work on the most. So that's yeah. what you've made me struggle with. Yep. Huh. Okay. So Satan went out from the presence of Job. All right. Or sorry, from the Lord. Okay. Here we go. Verse 13. Now there was a day when the sons and daughters, his sons and daughters, that's Job, were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So there's some servants, that's kind of the household, and the oxen and donkeys, so we're getting some things taken away from Job. While he was still speaking, so the words haven't even totally left his mouth yet, another also came and said, The fire of God fell down from heaven 
and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So, so far, we've got Satan able to influence these Sabians. Mm -hmm. You've also got Satan able to make the fire of God fall from heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, let's be very respectful of Satan's power. Yeah, let's not, not fear evil of dignities. Right. Yep. Not fearful. Right. Not fearful. But let's have some respect for what this cherub can do. He's a powerful enemy. Very. Um, we need to be respectful of that. What did Michael the Archangel say? The <laughs> Lord rebuke you? That yeah. is not Michael being afraid or not wanting to fight or beat whatever. That is Michael knowing where the power comes from. That's right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Verse 17, and while he was still speaking, another came, also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them all away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I have alone have escaped to tell you. Also, I'm going to make one other point about Satan here. You notice how many people have died? Yeah. You got a lot of servants dying. Now you got the Chaldeans and the Sabians doing it. But notice the fire of God killed the servants. Yeah. If God grants it, Satan can kill people. And that's kind of a scary thought, but mm -hmm. that's what Job is telling us. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's interesting. W when I hear the phrase, you know, God has Satan on a leash. Now, he, he, he does in terms of Satan get, doesn't get to do what God doesn't allow him to do. Right. However, Satan has free will, and I think it a lot of times acts the same as ours does. I mean, I have free will, but if I jump off a building, I can free will all I want. I'm not going to fly. And so I think Satan is very similar. He has free will within his own being and power. Now, clearly he's asking for authority. He's, he's accusing people. So there's some other things he can do, but let's be careful when we use a phrase like God has Satan on a leash. Mm -hmm. Again, he, he he does, but Satan also has a lot of free will. So let's let's keep both in balance. Uh, is that a good way to say it, Curtis? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay, uh, verse eighteen. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, "Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother came house, and suddenly a great wind, maybe a tornado." maybe just a very strong wind, uh, you know, I don't know, came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. There you've got the fire of God, and now you have Satan having power over nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So wind, if you've ever been through a tornado or a hurricane, wind is an extremely destructive force. If you've ever been in the Middle East, and I have... Uh, you also know about its destructive force. Uh, mm -hmm. They have a straight line winds over there called Haboobs, H-A-B-O-O-B, and, and uh, you do not want to have to uh, to be out in the open anywhere in the in the, in the, far, uh, the Middle Eastern desert when a Haboob comes through. It's not pretty. That's good. See, I don't know. See, that's why I got to depend on you, Curtis. I don't know those things. So is Satan still capable of controlling the weather today? I, I think so. See, 
I see no reason why he isn't. I think that he has you know? provided uh, the technology to us to do it, too. And I think it's extremely, well, entirely within the realm of possibility that that uh, Satan has provided that kind of technologically advanced ability to, to control, to a certain extent, the weather. Oh, yeah. And uh, when you get uh, technology involved with some demonic power, you can have some very destructive things going on. Oh, boy. So. Yeah. Okay. Verse 20. Another uh, great vision of who Job's character is. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. can tell you, though, that would not be my response if everything I had, except for my wife, was now dead or gone, to right. fall on my knees and worship. Uh, you like, think uh, that your attitude would be a little different? I think that my attitude would. I would love to say... Oh, it wouldn't be, oh, I'd be just like Job. I'm not sure it would. Do you think you'd spend any time saying, hey, I don't deserve this? Uh, probably. What the heck's going on? Why are you doing this to me? Yep. I can say here, you know, in modern day America that, yeah, that, that could be a response, but I, I can't say that truthfully. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like to be in that kind of circumstance, and I'm not going to say that I'm as good as Job here. I'm not sure I would be. Right, right. Me either. <laughs> and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. And the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. That's right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> In the King James Version, it says, Nor did he charge God foolishly. Uh, that's an excellent way to say it, too. Mm -hmm. And I think of all the little petty things I complain about and <laughs> think I'm so self-righteous, and then this happens to Job, and he didn't sin. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, Job is a, let's just say he's a righteous guy. All right, verse 2. If that wasn't bad enough, wait, there's more. It gets worse. Yeah. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. This happens twice. Again, maybe it's a regular occurrence. God calls for an account of Satan. Verse 3, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Notice that that didn't change between chapter 1 and chapter 2. That's right. <laughs> and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Mm -hmm. Now, wait a minute. Who did this? <laughs> this is kind of an interesting view that God has on it, right? Yeah, it is. So incited me against him. So Satan in chapter one, he was doing all of that stuff. But according to God, God was the one that was being incited to destroy him without cause. So God knows that all of this is because he allowed it. He gave Satan the power to do it. Um, it's God is taking full responsibility for this. Oh, I think sure. that's very interesting. 
It, it, God can take full responsibility for it because he knows, uh, he, he has an all-dimensional knowledge. He knows what's good what the outcomes are going to be before they actually occur. So, yes, of course he's going to take full, full responsibility. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, by way of application, take heart. Whatever yeah. you're going through, God is not surprised. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows what he is doing to you, whether directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. He knows what's going on, and he is there, and he is going to help you. Now, th this last phrase of the verse, to destroy him without cause, that's extremely important. Yeah. All of this, Job did not deserve any of this. Right. Wow, is that important. Now, when God shows up at the end of the book, wouldn't ha it have been so easy for God to show up and go, well, you know, Job, me and Satan had this agreement. You really didn't deserve it. Here's what happened. Notice he doesn't do that. And he doesn't say, I'm sorry, does he? No. As far as we know, Job did not know this ha This was the case until he died until and he got died. to heaven. That's right. Or, you know, if this part was written while Job was around, maybe that's when he found out, wait, God's telling you to write what? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what happened? You know, so Job has no idea that this is going on. That's right. So this is an interesting point. When Job says later in the book that he's suffering without cause, he's correct. Um, yes, he is correct because he, he's correct. he hadn't done anything to justify being punished. Yes. Now, the hesitation in your voice, it's because Job is a sinner just like any of us. Yes. So this is, this is an interesting way to say it. Job did not deserve what he got in this book. That's However, right. he also doesn't deserve not getting what's in this book. True. Because he's just as much of a sinner as me or you or Dr. Hickson or uh, Dick or anybody else. Right. He needs God's righteousness just like we do. Amen. So, so did he deserve it? No. Did he deserve it? Yes, because he's a sinner. Yeah. Kind of an interesting way to say that. So whenever you're looking at this, do you deserve it? It's possible you don't. But do you deserve it? You absolutely do because you're a sinner. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, if we ever want to and if we ever want to get on that high horse, which <laughs> I have been there. Uh, hmm. Christ didn't have to die and suffer for us. Nope. He certainly did not have to do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So whenever you think I don't deserve this, well, you deserve hell. So that's the end of that argument. Mm -hmm. that's and true. it really is. And Curtis, I'll tell you, I've had to say that to myself multiple times in my life. I have too. I, I have too. I don't brother. deserve that. Wait, what do I deserve? Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> boy, and, and it, boy, it's a hard thing to have that that honest, uh, that hidden but honest uh, internal dialogue with yourself, isn't it? Yes, and the only reason we're not going to go to hell is because we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. Yes. Which, if you haven't done that, and you're listening to that. You deserve what Joe's getting. So do I. The only reason yeah. I'm not going to get it for eternity is because I believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. 
All right, let's keep going. So Satan, this is verse four, answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. Oh, God agrees to it again. (laughs) So you can do whatever to him. You just can't kill him. So what happens? So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. So can Satan cause disease? You better believe he can. Yes. So if you are sick and you've got something, it could possibly be something inflicted by Satan, a demon. Now, I'm, I'm in no way saying all sickness is, but it's just a possibility. It is a possibility. It got so bad that verse nine, he took for himself a pot shirt and with with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. So, so he's sitting there just scraping his sores with pieces of pottery. Yep, and he's bald. Remember, he shaved himself, so he's got sores all over his head. Yeah, uh, he's he's in the Middle East, which means he's probably sunburnt because he's been out there too. Oh, plus all yeah. these sores. Then his wife said. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, this yeah, part makes you, me. This part you, makes his chuckle. You gotta love this gal. What a what, what a not very supportive wife. But she's gonna come back. Hey. I think she'll she. It's never mentioned, but she comes around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then his wife said to him, "Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look what he's letting happen to you. He's a great God, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you just curse so, him and die? Because that's what that's what the, the eventual outcome is gonna be if you continue like this. And not much confidence from her. No, not a lot. Now again, Job's gonna have a bunch more kids. So I think his wife she's not mentioned again, but she's gonna come around. Yeah, I, uh, I think she yeah, and maybe and it's not written down, but maybe some life-changing and attitude-altering events happened to her somewhere down the line. We don't know. They were her that, kids as much as they were his. Yep, that's yeah. that's very possible. It was her um, property so anyway, as much as it was his. Yep. So if you're out there and you're a wife, be supportive of your husband. And for that matter, husbands, be supportive of your wife. You know? Right. But Job... Uh, what a good response. But he said to her, well, okay, maybe not, you know, whatever. You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we and not, not accept evil. evil or adversity? Yep. Yeah. I like evil there because it very strictly contrasts that good and evil. Yeah. Um, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. <laughs> That's oh, an important point. So the compared words didn't to, come out of his mouth at all, did it? So Job yeah. is officially having some problems. <laughs> um, internally, yes. Yeah. So he's he. Uh, this is kind of that he intellectually knows that he needs to trust God through it, and in fact, we're going to see that, like the famous statement, uh, "Though he slay me, yet will I trust him." That's right. Um. The problem with that, now I love that statement, and I've had to say it to myself multiple times. The problem with Job, the problem with Job is he didn't stop there. If it was though he slay me, yet will I trust him, period. Yeah. That would be exactly right. Yeah. 
but he went on and said, yet will I justify myself. Yeah. Um, and so that's what happened to Job. So he's, uh, he's sitting there, he's sick, he's lost everything. Wife is not, a, I'm guessing she walked away. I mean, it doesn't say that, but I guess she just, what am I going to do with this guy? And just walked away. Right. Uh, verse 11. Now, when Job's three friends, <laughs> that's kind of a funny term, heard all that. <laughs> the, yeah. So Job's friends, and we'll talk about it next time, they try. But uh, as jo- in the words of Job, miserable counselors yeah. uh, they were. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, or evil, each one came from his own place. Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite. There it is. Good job, Curtis. And Zophar the Naamathite, <laughs> for they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. See, they started out with good intentions. Uh, these three friends, they know this is really bad, and they're coming to comfort him. And when they raised their eyes from afar, they did not recognize him. So Job is in a state where he is unrecognizable. These sores and everything that is going on, completely unrecognizable. I think the only reason they were able to know it was him, because who else would look like this? They lifted their voices and wept, and each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. So Job's friends show up. They have the intention to comfort him. They get there. He's unrecognizable. And they sit down there for a week, and nobody speaks. Now, how'd they eat? You know, maybe his wife got him food. I don't know. But in some way, they sit there for a week. So that'll that'll conclude this part. Now, what we're going to do, we're not going to go to verse or chapter 3. We're going to go to uh, chapter 32, where Elihu starts. And it's going to give us a little synopsis of what went on. Um, so that's going to be fun. Now, one thing I'll say about Job and I'll kind of bring this together. Job started off not sinning, and then he started sinning. What happened to Job? Job lost hope. Uh, yes. He lost hope, really. and he's going to make that point about five times. And so we'll point those out as he, uh, as he goes through them. But Job lost hope. That's why he started sinning. He didn't see anything changing. He saw how bad his life was. He saw, I'm just going to be like this until I die. And he lost all hope. Yep, I think so too. So um, I'm here to tell you, Job was restored. And if God restored Job, he can restore you. Absolutely right. I'm not saying he's going to restore you with wealth like he restored Job. But at the same time, God wants to do good things for us. He wants to bless us. And so no matter what you're going through, don't lose hope. If God helped Job, he can help you. Amen. Amen. What a great message. And so next week, we'll get into some of the fun arguments and reasoning, some of the philosophy, philosophy that we're going to get into. Boy, Curtis, I'm looking forward to it, aren't we? Yeah. I love it. Those, what, about eight chapters are some of my favorite eight chapters in the whole Bible. 
they are adventurous um, uh, chapters for the intellectual mind. Yeah, so, yeah. So Aren't much they? reasoning and theology, and yeah, just so much. If you want doctrine, boy, go to Eli, go to Elihu. He'll he'll tell oh, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. then of course we get we get uh, a real treat in, in the later chapters. Uh, chapters 40, 41, 42, we, we really get a real treat as far as, uh, our education in history and yeah. creation. Uh, mm-hmm. oh boy. I mean, there's so much packed in the job and I can hardly yeah. wait to get to it, buddy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do and it we'll again next time. We'll, we'll pick it up and, and continue on. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, if, if tonight is any indication of, uh, and it is indication of the what we've got in store for the next couple of months, uh, folks, you don't want to miss an episode of this. You, you're going to be amazed by the time this particular study is over. I know each time I study the book of Job and go through it, I end up amazed all over again and usually uh for some reason that that i had never been amazed before so yeah. it's always something new with the word of god it, it it never gets old so boy i'm looking forward to this buddy and thank you for being with us tonight and sharing this and uh i'm i'm kind of excited to move forward with this with this little study so all righty and I know you are. Yeah, I know Very you love so. this book too. I know you do. I read I do. your book. So I know you <laughs> love the book of Job. So, and by the way, let me remind our listeners uh, you can get Lucas Doremus's book on Job, uh, which is entitled What, Sir? Stand Still and Consider. Stand Still and Consider. Uh, what a great title for the book because I think. Uh, it's the overarching theme to the entire Bible, but you really honed in on Job. Yeah, in yep. Job. So uh, you can get that book anywhere books are sold online. Is that correct? Yeah, you can get it from Amazon and a couple others out there. Yep, it's out there. Stand Still and Consider by Lucas Doremus. Look it up. Get a copy for your bookshelf. You will not be sorry. Lucas, thank you once again for being with us, my brother. And uh, uh, for those of you that don't know this, uh, this is the first time I'm going to say anything about it on air, but Lucas and his wife, Sarah, have been helping Pastor Dick uh, with some book publishing that he's getting ready to do with and with a book that he's written, and uh, the book is going to be entitled what, Pastor? Full of Grace and Truth. Full of Grace and Truth uh, by by Dick Chamberlain. Look for it soon, September. wherever yeah. books are sold. Yeah, probably in the late September time frame. So be looking for that. And uh, we do have an upcoming podcast with Pastor Dick in the next couple of days, and also with our good friend J.B. Hickson. So don't miss any of this. It's good stuff. It's it's wonderful for the mind, for the heart, and for your soul, especially. 
So, and we are happy to, to be helping provide that for you. So uh, we thank you for being with us and listening. And uh, until we do another podcast with Pastor Dick or JB, this is your host, Kurt Chamberlain, signing off for the Christian Underground News Network. Until we meet again, may God bless and keep you.